0: Welcome to One Shot Church, where our goal is to create a place for you to believe and belong. We're so grateful that you tuned in to check out this message, and we'd love to meet you in person at one of our upcoming services at 10 a.m. Feel free to check out oneshotchurch.com for more info, or to follow us on any of your social media platforms at One Shot Church. Here's this week's message. Enjoy. Enjoy. So, if you don't know, that video, they were talking about different races, and Dawn does CrossFit over there. So, she was talking about her CrossFit experience, and the reason they shared that was because we're in this series, which is called Lace Up. Can everybody say that with me? Lace Up. There you go. So, it's playing off this fact that, of course, if you're going to run a race, you should tie your shoes, but when I'm casual, I don't ever tie my shoes, because I don't like my shoes tied, but that's another story. Uh, But it all comes from this first scripture that I would like to share with you guys, and then hopefully I won't be before you too long this morning. We got a lot of scriptures we want to get through, but it's all for a purpose. It's all for a purpose. So this is a scripture. It comes from Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, We have the large Bible here behind me. If you have your phone Bible, you can flip to that. If you have a real Bible, you can flip through that too. But I'm going to read it. It says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I just read verse 1. But the key point, of course, is highlighted. Today, we're going to talk about this. What does it mean to run with endurance? So we've been titling our our different messages about the different states of running. Last week, Rodney shared with us about what it means to run hurt. So that was running hurt. Knowing that life brings hurt, it brings pain. But what does that mean to work through that pain and keep moving in the direction God has for you? So this week, we're going to talk about running tired. Running tired tired. The key word being endurance. I love what Darius said. He said in that video, he said, it's the ability uh, to maintain in an uncomfortable state. Endurance means like, man, the ability to maintain in an uncomfortable state. I found another definition for endurance. It said this, it says, it's the characteristic of a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to the faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings the characteristic to not be swerved even by the greatest trials or sufferings. When you think about endurance, it's what happens when hardship comes. It's what happens when you're faced with the trial. And to know, uh, we were talking with Don and Darius, and the one thought that came to me was this, and there's no easy way to endurance. <laughs> it's only hard you got to train you got to go through it but to know on the outcome on the end endurance is received for a reason would you guys mind praying with me real quick this morning can we pray can we pray let us pray jesus we thank you so much for this morning we thank you for this opportunity we have to spend these beautiful moments here together i thank you for each person that's here uh here in the crowd today we thank you for those who will listen to this later i pray god that your word would be the thing that brings us light It brings us life it brings us direction and it gives us strength to continue on this race that you have set before us it's in your name we pray Lord Jesus and everybody said amen Amen. Amen. that was awkward I guess I can't talk to her and you guys look at me that's weird I was asking if uh, the recording thing that I said all right we good forgive me forgive me let us go the thought is this this morning how many of you guys have ever been tired before you tired right now okay so what we're gonna do is hopefully you will not fall asleep while i'm preaching we're gonna try and make that work i will yell at you over the mic but i'm talking about tired right so the i remember one time i experienced this i played my basketball career kind of ended in middle school but i mean if you want to play pickup i can still play against you but officially it ended in middle school but i remember one week one year we we had tryouts right and they had these things at basketball practice called suicides you ever ran those Christians call them uh, crucifiers or whatever. I don't, we can't say, Never mind. All right, but but you run to one line and you run back and you run. And I remember we did suicides at the end of practice. Uh, And then I got home that evening and I remember I sat on the floor and then I caught a cramp in this leg. It was like, hold on, wait a minute, right? So when you caught this cramp, I straightened out and then the other one went too. So it was double cramp. So I was just on the floor and I was like, wow, I am extremely tired and both of my legs are cramped up. That was a serious experience of tiredness, to know there were some results that came with that, right? So then, so then later on, I ran track in high school. So, you know, I ran track, and of course, I believe this, that if you can endure track practice, you can do anything in life. I I honestly believe that. Track practice is another level of tired, right? So then uh, after that, of course, I went to college. I went to undergrad at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, right? And, And I believe this, that studying for college was the next tier of tiredness that I experienced because I was always tired. Because the issue was, of course, you get a lot of work, but the work was difficult and I couldn't figure it out. So I would just sit in the library and just hang out until somebody got the answer. And then when one person got the answers, we kind of worked together. That's what that's called. You know what I'm saying? We worked together. Uh, But I wanted to find a picture of my posture when I would be in the library at Carnegie Mellon. And the issue was, I searched for one picture, and I realized there was quite a few pictures because this was my state a lot at college. I was napping. Everywhere. I don't know what would happen and people would take pictures, but this one on the bottom. That's me in the library studying Um, I have I have my iPod throwback iPod you see that Um, and By osmosis. I think I'm receiving the information you can see that right, but one of my friends She was like how do you take naps in public? I don't nap in public, but I said if I'm tired I'm a nap anywhere it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter where i am but this is a picture of my college experience you see three different times um napping i have a lot more hair in that picture on the left In this one on the right you can't see but i actually had twists but we're not talking about my hair this is uh something else all right but i've been tired a lot but what happens when you're so tired that it causes an issue one other example of this was uh, when I was in high school, I, be- I, I just got my driver's license, so I must have been right over 16. I had a Volvo 240, 1991, one of them square Volvos. Anybody remember those? All right, so I was driving in my Volvo, and here's the issue. I was so tired, all I remember was I was at a light. I fell asleep, I woke back up like, dang, I should probably go, the light's green, right? So, so then I woke up, I'm going up a hill. This is a good luck road, so I don't know if you're over by my parents' house. I'm on good luck road. I'm going up a hill. Next thing I know, I'm waking up, and my face is hitting the airbag. And then I see some glass, and I said, hold on, wait a minute, right? But what had happened was I fell asleep driving, and I crashed into the car in front of me. I was not hurt at all, which was like, dang, Volvo, they make good cars. They make good cars, right? But what woke me up was literally the impact and the airbag. And I said, whoa, Jesus, what's happening? And then hopefully the lady in front of me was fine. I don't really remember what happened, but she wasn't that hurt. But as Needless to say, the point is this, that you can be so tired, it can be dangerous. You can be so tired, it can literally be dangerous for your very life. And the question I want to ask today is this, what happens when you're tired, but it's not physical tiredness? It's something so deep that a nap can't fix it. It's something so deep that you taking vacation can't fix it. My goal, too, when I'm tired, it's like Netflix, so I just go on the couch, Netflix the whole day. But what if I'm done with all of that Netflix, and there's a tiredness that's still so deep that I can't get to it? Because I believe this tiredness is not just a physical condition, it's from our soul, it's on the inside. So what I wanted to share with you guys today was my theories on what it means to be tired and what is the source of our tiredness. And again, I would ask you guys this morning, have you ever been tired before? Are you tired right now? Not just physically, like y'all, I'm about to take a nap, but on the inside where you feel like, I don't know how much longer I can take this. I don't know how much longer I can keep going. God, this might be it and I don't know what comes next, but I need help. So what I wanted to share with you guys this morning were my three theories on what it means and why it is that we're often so tired because just like we read, life is a race. God has set that race before us. We get one shot, one opportunity to run the race. What does it mean to keep running when we're faced with things that are trying to make us stop? That is the whole goal of what we want to accomplish today. I got three theories I want to go through, see if any of these resonate. But I want you to ask yourself this question, why am I tired? Why? Why am I tired? The first theory is this. It is called the bigger barn theory. The bigger barn theory. All right? So the, the place that this comes from, it's uh, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It's, it's in two of the Gospels, but the one we want to go to this morning is in Luke chapter 12, it's one of the gospels matthew mark luke the third book in the new testament luke chapter 12 we're gonna start at verse number 15 we're gonna jump around here and read this a little bit so you guys follow with me so jesus is telling a parable and a man came up to jesus and he asked him a question and the way that jesus often responded was he wouldn't answer directly like yes no he would tell you a story So we're going to look into this story and see what he's saying. So he said this, he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Number one, I want to, I want to key in on this point. When we talk about the bigger barn theory, why are you so tired? The issue is some of us are measuring our race by the wrong measure. We think that if I'm keeping up with a certain person or keeping up with a certain outlook or keeping up with people looking at me in a certain way, that that's what success is. And he's going to unpack that a little bit more if we go back to the verse real quick. It says this, life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I do not have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. When we talk about the bigger barn theory, I believe this, that uh, this is what America is built on. It's built on a dream that you can always get more. You can always reach to another level. You get one raise, it's like, hold on, when's my next one coming? You get one house, it's like, when can I get another one? It's you get one car, it's when can I get the next one, right? So I'm going to talk about Rodney because that's what I do every time I get the mic and I get to preach, right? So I remember when Rodney moved up from his little Camry. He had, what year was that, John? 0 O2 Camry, one Camry, right? And he got that truck outside that makes that noise, right, when he turns it on. And then at that time, I had another Volvo. This was a a 01, 02 Volvo as well. But then my Volvo died, right? But the issue was my Volvo died. I just got a new house. Money was a little thin. And then I went and said, I'm going to buy me a new car. And I said, you know, I'm about to get an Infiniti. I'm going to get me a Lexus. I'm going to get this because nobody wants a guy in a Nissan Sentra, right? So I remember I bought my Nissan Sentra because that's all I could do at that time. And Rodney started up his truck next to me and said, man, this is a man truck. Look at your little car. I was like, bro, really? Really? (laughs) But I believe this, that God was simply saying, man, you can only do what you can do at that time. You are not defined by how big your barn is and the focus being, man, I should be grateful that I have something to get back and forth to work in. My Volvo was breaking down like every week. I'm like, hey, mechanic, hey, mechanic, hey, mechanic. And it's like now I can get to work. I'm not getting flat tires every week. A to B. That's what my dad used to say. All you need to do is get from A to B. Boom, that's it, right? But to really think about it, it was like everything inside of me and my pride was fighting to say, man, you better get a baller car. Man, you better have some status when people look at you. You better get the tents and the rims, and what type of girl was sitting in this car with you? And it's like me working through all of these thoughts. Because we are built on this one thought, man, get a bigger barn. What you have is not good enough. What you have will never be enough. And I believe this, that a barn, when you think about it as a farmer, man, the barn was where he placed his trust to say that if I wanted to go back and get something or if I'm making provision for the next year, everything that I needed was placed in that barn. The question is today, where do you place your trust? And will you ever be content with saying, this is what God has given me? Or will you try and tear it down and say, hey, I want to get some more. If we can go to the next latter half of that verse. Uh, Jesus, again, he's in the middle of this parable. He's talking. And we pick up in verse 19 and he says this. He said, and this is the guy he was talking to, the rich man. And the rich man says, he said, I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. This verse and these verses in and of themselves they really challenged me to think about perspective. Because sometimes we're so focused on the barn that's in front of us when everything Jesus is saying, man, have you ever thought about the fact that this barn, regardless of how big it is, will only be temporary? Our life is but a vapor, is what the Bible explains it as. What does it mean to be rich towards God after? to be rich after, and to consider some of these thoughts. And, and, and he says, a fool. He says, you fool, you fool. And, and I was thinking about this. The definition of a fool that I found was this. It's a person without reason. The person who does not have reason, they don't stop to think and and to plan and see the perspective on a situation. And And I believe the one part about it too was he was having a conversation with himself. He literally said, what should I do? He said, I will build bigger barns. He said, wow, I will sit back. I will eat, drink, and be merry. And so many times in that verse, his perspective was simply focused on himself. And I believe the reason why some of us are so tired is because all we do is focus on ourselves. Myself included. I believe that the key to running the appropriate race with endurance is to take your perspective and to shift it from it all being focused inward and to realize God gives you resources for everyone else around you and not yourself. He said, I will eat, drink, and be merry. At no point in that verse did he mention, hey, I'll invite some people over. Let's, let's all eat, drink, and be merry. Let me throw a party so I'll build a bigger barn so I can help somebody else out his whole perspective was inward when you're tired the worst thing all of us can do is say man i'm just gonna focus more on myself i need my me time right you do need me time you need self-care we were talking about that but the reason for self-care is that god can refuel you so you can go back out and do what it is he's called you to do not just so you can be good by yourself you don't get a raise just so you can make money and that 401k is stacking up like i'm good because a fool is only limited in his sight to realize what if God says, tonight your life is demanded of you. Then who will get everything that's left behind? And I believe that that is the quest. So the first one, we're going to see how many of these we can get to. I'm going to try. I got three, but we'll see what happens. We said the first one is the bigger barn theory that all of us have to fight against, this thing inside of us that's calling us to tear down and build something bigger, be focused on ourselves. The second one was this. It was called the lost sheep theory, the lost sheep theory. And and I want to see if this applies to you. So this is in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 35 and 36. And the Bible often refers to us as sheep. It refers to God as the good shepherd. And, and, and this whole analogy that's being painted, uh, and I wanted to pull it out from these verses here. So in verse 35, it says, "As Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom." and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Verse 36 is, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. To paint a picture, it says that uh, a sheep without a shepherd, and it was a quote I I pulled. It says that no creature is more apt to go astray than a sheep. And when gone astray, more helpless, shiftless, and exposed or unapt to find their way back home again. A sheep without a shepherd simply has no direction. It has has no way that it'll even find sustenance for itself, and it has no way that it'll find its way back home. I believe this, that a lot of us are running so tired because we don't realize that we have someone that's supposed to be guiding us along the way. We think simply that, man, I'm out here on my own, man, I'm out here doing my own thing, and we don't realize that God is literally saying, man, you are my sheep, and if you trust me, I will be your shepherd. And, and when I was asking this question again, like, man, what does uh, what does a, a, a shepherd and this whole sheep, what does the analogy look like? And I don't know if you've grown up in church or been around churchy people enough, but I'm sure you've heard this verse, and it's from uh, Psalms chapter 23. When you, when, when you think about... The sheep and shepherd relationship, I believe that this paints the appropriate picture. And and, and why are so many of us so tired and we can't push through it? It's because we have to ask if we believe this. And and in verse 1, it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. When I forget that I have a shepherd, I think that I am dependent on myself to work and get everything that I need. Why wouldn't you be tired if you think that you're the only source that you have? And you think that you're the end-all, be-all of how you get what you need. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. It says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Are you looking for peace? I believe that this is the key. We cannot find peace by saying, man, I'm going to take a longer vacation, and that's it. I can't find peace by saying, man, I got PTO for two weeks straight. I'm about to not see these crazy people at work. I don't got to deal with this. I don't got to deal with that. I believe this, that you will still not find peace unless you realize that God is the one who leads you by green pastures himself. If you are wandering like a sheep without a shepherd, you will end up tired because it simply says this, a sheep cannot find its way back home by himself, by herself, by herself. Is there a male and female of sheep? You? Is that it? Uh, uh, forgive me. I, what, I don't know. I, let's, read, let's read one more part. Let's read one more part. It says this. It says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I'm reading Psalms 23. When you think about what, what does it mean to have a good shepherd, it says that he renews your strength. If you're tired, you're not going to find strength by yourself. If you're tired, you must depend on the fact, man, there is a shepherd who not only sees me, he loves me, and he cares about me. And he literally renews my strength. No other source of strength greater than God himself being our shepherd. Are you tired? If you are, these are my theories about how we can find some solutions. If you're a lost sheep, and there's one other thing to realize this, man, When it says that he is the good shepherd, he's the good shepherd, God's intent for your life is to lead you and to bring you good things. A lot of times it feels like, God, I'm just out here. I'm running. I'm trying. I've been doing this. God, how could this happen? At the end of the day, the question simply is this. Do you believe that he desires to lead you to good things or not? And that bleeds into trust. Do I trust God? And if I'm honest with you guys, man, that is the wrestle of my life, trusting God, trusting that what he says is true, or are my circumstances more true than what God is telling me he is towards me? That is the life of a sheep. But I believe this, the closer the sheep gets to the shepherd, the more he's reminded of his goodness. The closer the sheep gets to the shepherd, the more his strength is renewed. Our distance from the shepherd dictates how tired we will be. If your soul is tired, ask yourself how close you are to the shepherd. And to know he's not waiting for you to be like, man, you better do something right before you. He's saying, no, I'm reaching out towards you. I'm willing to leave the 99 other sheep because I want to be with you. God's desire is to be close to his sheep. That's his job. That's what he wants. If you're tired, Realize this, that you are not a sheep that wanders aimlessly by himself. And the last theory I had today, it came um, from this, and, and the one I, I, I was trying to figure out what to title it, I was like, it's the Back to Egypt Slavery Theory. And, and this comes from something that I wanted to share with you guys, when, uh, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of the Israelites and Moses and Prince of Egypt and all of that stuff, and who was the old dude that played Moses back, what was that Oh, Ten Ten Commandments back in the day, anybody ever watched that John? That John was wild, right? I don't know. But then they had the prince of Egypt later on. So this whole story, but I believe this, that God's intent was to show us ourselves through his relationship with the people of Israel. It, that, that was his purpose. He, the, the Bible's intent is to, to walk us through things that we can glean and things that we can pull and how we can find and see ourselves. And, and I believe they truly have something to say about being tired, being tired, about being restless, which is a word I'm going to define. later. Let's go. It's in Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 10 through 14. How you guys doing? Are you tired out there? We're doing all right, we're doing all right, all right. So we're on the third theory here, Exodus chapter 14. That's a lot of words, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. It says this. Uh, so let me set the picture a little bit more, right? So this is what happened. The people of Israel, I, I believe in, in what I research, it said that they were slaves for over 400 years. They were slaves for over 400 years. They were stuck in Egypt. They're making pyramids. They're, they're, they're like stirring up straw. They're out there laboring under the sun. They got Pharaoh and all these people coming after them. And then finally, after all of those plagues at the end, and Moses came, and what did Moses say to Pharaoh? Let my go. There we go. Let my people. There we go. Come on. All right, so when Moses came to Pharaoh, he was saying, let my people go. Pharaoh was like, nah, 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 chill. I ain't going to do all that. They working. They making me money. Let's not do that. And then he came back again. Let my people go. Let my people go after the 10th plague. Pharaoh said, get up out of here. Go ahead, go, go, go ahead, right? So now that's where we're left. The people of Israel have just left. They took some riches with them. They're headed out. and, and, And doesn't that seem like you would be excited? It's like, hold up. After 400 years of being slaves, we are free? Like to roll out, for real? So they're rolling out, and we're in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. So the people of Israel, they're leaving, and then Pharaoh had an epiphany. He said, that's my money walking out. I'm about to go get that back. Hold on. He said, get the chariots, let's go. So then Pharaoh's running after the people of Israel. The people of Israel are like, hold on, wait a minute. And and that's where we're left. It says that they began to panic. The Egyptians were overtaking them. And then it said, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Than a corpse in the wilderness. And I believe this. Can we go to that next one? I'm going to jump back, Lorena, forgive me. Uh, Let's go to the next. So I, I, I believe this is the definition a lot of us fit into, Restless being restless and to be restless it says this that it's unable to rest or relax as a result of anxiety or boredom some of some of us are so tired because we are unable to rest or relax we have no way to just oh chill wait wait a minute right so uh, i i wanted to do this little thing so uh, you see this this is what's happening with the israelites they're like hold on wait a minute right so we were slaves we were in egypt we were working but at least we knew what was going on, so maybe I should stay a slave. Then they said, hold on, no, 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 I don't want to be a slave. Let me run over here. Okay, we're about to be free, so maybe I'll be here. And then I see the Egyptians coming, so it's like, hold on, we about to die. Let's go back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And, and all of this, they're just running back and forth. And a lot of us in our situations, it's like, well, oh, I knew that thing in my past was bad. But it felt real comfortable, God. So let me just chill over here, God. This feels good. Then it's like, no, God, I should be free. But if I go over here, God, I don't know what's next. So then I'm like trying to run, but I'm saying, hold on, God, maybe I should go back. Or it's like, God, I, I, I know that you have something good for me, but I cannot see it right now. And because I can't see it, there's no way I can be comfortable over here. So let me get back to what I'm used to. And we're literally going back and forth. And does that not define what tired looks like? You're doing suicides back in, hold on, wait a minute, hold on, wait, 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 wait. And then when we go back to Exodus, did you see the end of the verse? This is, and now we're going to get into some keys of how you resolve from being so tired. The key is this, it says in, in verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I believe the issue of why some of us are so tired is because we're stuck between two places and we keep running back. God, I think I trust you. God, did you tell me to go over here? God, should I get this job? God, should I be in this relationship? God, should I get And he said, just stand still. The biggest issue is this. We think that running requires motion and effort on our own. But God is saying, if you stand still and watch, the Lord will rescue you. The biggest key when you're running tired, to get endurance is to realize you are not the one who has to fight. We must stand still. And it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Do you know how difficult that is? When you are faced with life's circumstances When you're being pulled literally in two directions, when this is the definition of what running tired looks like, it means, man, God, I'm going over here. I can't find rest. God, I'm going back to this relationship. I can't find rest. God, I asked this person. They're not helping me out. God, I've been praying. I've been fasting. God, I've been trying. I tried everything. And God said, will you just stand still and realize you can trust me? This is, this is the fight of my own life personally. I'm a thinker, boy. I sit, you lead me to my thoughts. I'm going to get anxious, just be like, God, well, you know five years from now, Father, if this were to happen, would you please lead me? He said, just stand still. Realize I fight for you. This is the key. Rest looks like running still. And that's so difficult because we think running requires a lot of action. We think running requires force. It requires me to do something. God says, I will fight for you. And I don't know how many of you guys work corporate jobs, but I mean, a corporate job is really the definition of you begin to play these little games where people are like, oh, let me CC the boss on the email because I told you before to do. I said, who are you CCing? But that's, that's my personal point, forgive me. All right. Or you feel like they're like, oh, did so-and-so just get a promotion? Oh, they're getting promoted out here? God, hold on, I got to, you know, and and you begin to feel yourself playing this little game where you want to make yourself look better than somebody. You want to pull somebody else down. I believe this, that if you have a relationship with God, the key is this, stand still. He fights for you. You don't got to prove your point to nobody. Nobody. There's a professional way to tell people off in emails in regards to what I just sent in the attachment. You better see that I said that. And it's like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, right? He says, stand still. I will fight for you. Do you know what it feels like to realize that you're right, but you don't have to prove your point? God is saying, man, stand still. You will run yourself ragged trying to prove that you're right. He says, rest looks like, knowing I fight for you. Knowing I fight for you. I love these verses. And, and, and there's another part too. A lot of us feel tired because we think we are in a wilderness season. If you go back one chapter, and we can read that one day, but it, it, it's in Exodus 13, he tells Moses, he says, I'm going to lead the Israelites through the wilderness because, If they were to go on a direct line, they would face a battle, and I think they would quit. God is not leading you through the wilderness because he doesn't love you. A lot of times your wilderness is literally because he's trying to protect you from something or prepare you for something that's to come. Do not feel like you have to get out of the wilderness so quick when God is saying, I will fight for you right where you are. Trust me. Trust me. I truly believe that these are some of the the places that we all, and me included, we all find ourselves, and this is why we are so tired. Either we're trying to build a bigger barn, saying what I have is not good enough, God. I need something else. God, I need more money. God, I need a new car. God, I need this. God, I need a better relationship. God, I need this. God, God, whatever. And he's saying, man, you don't need a bigger barn. I need you to realize that being rich towards me is the greatest thing you could ever have the second one being man god is our shepherd he's with us he leads us he leads us into calmness he renews our strength that is what he does and the last one this picture of being a slave and torn between two places if you stand still he will fight for you in summary i remember some of the preachers we listen to they say when you say in summary everybody's like hold on he's ending in summary I have three resolutions I would like to leave with you guys. So, you know, we, we kind of tried to paint what the problem is. Why are we so tired? Why is it that my soul is worn out every week, even after I can come home off vacation? Why am I so tired? I believe that one of these things hopefully spoke to you about the situation or where you may be left out, Uh, but I, I wanted to map out three resolutions. I don't know what order I put them in. Can we go to the next slide? So the three resolutions, the first one being this, to run still. That's what we just talked about. You're not the one jumping back and forth between two things. You're not the one trying to find your way out. God says just be still. Know I am God, and I will fight for you. Run still. When you're tired, your tank is on E. You feel like, man, I don't know how much more I can do. Ask yourself, can you be still? And what does it mean for me to trust God? The second one being this run guided. To run guided, knowing that there is a shepherd. There was something that uh, Dawn and Darius were talking about too. It's like, man, when you have a coach, the coach will show you where to go and what's happening. God is our ultimate coach. He's our shepherd. Run guided. Know that you're not by yourself when you run. Darius mentioned this, too. He said, man, when when I'm running on a really long run and I got people with me, it helps. It helps. That's something Rodney's going to talk about in the rest of this series, too. What does it mean to run together? If you're out there running 10 miles by yourself, it might get a little lonely. Might get a little crazy, but to know, man, are you running with a group of people doing the same thing, running the same race? If you're running guided by a coach, our ultimate shepherd, and you're running with people with you, they will guide you in the right direction. And I believe that will renew our strength as well. And the last one being this, to run focused. To run focused focused. I wanted to uh, key back in. I I believe it's the next one. It's It's the verse we started out in, and then I wanted to end with one last verse. So the verse we started out in, I wanted to read verse two. It says this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. This was something uh, that in, in back in my track days, it was a cool little trick that one of, the, one of the really fast kids off the team used to talk about. He was saying, you know, on the track, you have curves and you're running off the curve. He's saying when you're running through a curve, if you literally turn your belly button towards the inside and you're pointed towards it's going to pull you around the turn like this right so he's saying literally turning your torso towards where you're trying to go will help you to get to that finish line faster i believe the issue with some of us running the race and why we're so tired is because we can't see the destination of where we're supposed to head this verse is literally saying if you turn Your eyes and fix your focus on Jesus it's going to help you to finish the race because now you are not just running like God what's going on what's happening he's saying man when you focus on Jesus you are pulling yourself around that curve and you're finishing this race strong to know when I see the end in sight it helps me to have enough endurance to keep going this life is not it when I fix my eyes on Jesus It helps me to know, man, I can get through this because it's but for a little while, and it's all for a purpose. It's but for a little while, and it's all for a purpose. Fixing our eyes on the destination is the goal to endurance in the hardest part of the race. That's it. And here's the last verse. And I believe that this was ultimately where this whole journey started for me. And uh, Shayla, you could uh, start strumming. I believe this is where the whole journey started for me. And, and, and I pulled this one up here out of the Message Bible, but it's a verse that many of you may have heard if you grew up in church or not, and it talks about uh, God's yoke and, and all of these things. But I, I really wanted to key in. It starts in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And it says this in the Message Bible. It says, are you tired? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? and and, and that is the question that I leave with you today as you sit here man what what does it mean are you burnt out to know being burnt out is a reality it happens to all of us are you tired worn out on religion religion being defined as me trying to fight to do things right me trying to get my way back to God me thinking that I can do things in my own power religion is all self-focused are you worn out on religion Are you burnt out? And it says, if you are, it says, come to me. Come to me. I believe we have the wrong picture of God so much. Jesus is saying, man, all I want is to be with my sheep. He's not pushing you away. He's saying, if you're tired, my arms are open. Come to me. He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Some of us think that we can find life so many other places. There is no other resolution except knowing life is in me being with Jesus himself. Come to me, get away with me and you will find life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest, a real rest. I think even for myself, man, I settle for superficial rest so much. I love kava nowadays. I don't know if you have, man, I'm like, boy, if I get that kava bowl, I get a good Netflix show, I kick my little feet up, boy, I'm about to rest. And it feels good. But he's saying a real rest is something deeper than me sitting on my uncomfortable couch. There's something more. There's something more that God is calling us to. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. We're not walking alone. We're not running alone. To know that when I'm running with Jesus, I'll never not be able to get through a situation. Rest looks like running with him. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is not something we fight by our own power. I'm not running just by... And I believe this too is another lesson I learned from track. The harder you strain and tense up, the worse you're going to run. To run means, man, to be so smooth with it that your muscles are unlocked, you're able to move. And they literally say this, if you watch a sprinter running the 100 meters, you can see their face shaking like this. It's because they're not tense. To know the best runners are the most relaxed. And the only way I can be relaxed is to know, man, I've put my trust in Jesus himself, and I'm not running alone. So when I'm running down that home stretch, my shoulder, I'm like, this is me running a 400 in high school. I'll finish that race, I'll be seeing black spots. I'm like, Lord, what happened? I done cut the air off to my brain, and that's, that is the worst way to run a race. If you are so relaxed, boy, well, you see, Darius has a little promo video. He's ain't in here, so we'll talk about him. You see Darius running like a pro, boy, that form, It's what it looks like to be in the unforced rhythms of grace. You are relaxed with it. And the only reason I'm relaxed is because I know who's with me. I know who's with me. It says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is how we run tired, knowing that I'm running with Jesus knowing that he's pulling me to the finish line and knowing that he's inviting me to come close to him, to come close. So here's the question I leave you with in closing. Are you tired? If you're tired, there's an answer for you today.